Anybody here old enough to remember actually writing a love letter on a piece of paper and putting it in an envelope and putting a stamp on it and mailing it? Anybody? This is before Facebook Messenger, right? Before even text messages, before even, you know, email. Dean and I were courting in the early 80s, and I lived in Portland, Oregon, and she lived up in uh, Surrey, six, seven or eight, six or seven hour drive. Um, and we never had two dimes drummed together. We couldn't afford a long distance much on the phone. So believe it or not, I wrote a love letter to her every day for almost a year. Now, that is a whipped puppy. <laughs> Plus, I hate to write, so you had to know that I had it bad. But a love letter is not like any other kind of communication. Yeah, you know, you could get the morning paper on the, on the porch, and you might look at it and say, well, I'll take a look at that after my coffee. You know, you might be interested to get your tax return in the mail and say, hey, you know, have I got some money or whatever? There's a lot of things, a lot of communications that we get which are not very urgent. But when you're in love, and a love letter arrives from the person you love, that is all that matters. I remember going out to the mailbox and tearing the letters open even before I closed the mailbox to see what Dina had to say that day for, for these love letters. There's an urgency. There's something that's about a love letter that's unlike any other kind of communication. We have got a box of these old love letters somewhere back in the closet. We take them out every once, every 10 years and take a look at them, and they're good for a laugh. Um, she didn't marry me for my handwriting, I can tell you that. But it's a very precious form of communication. I was thinking about that the last couple of weeks, and of all those love letters that Dina sent me in our courting years, as special as they are, there's actually one love letter that even is more valuable to me than that. And in my life, I found that to be God's word, the Holy Bible. A lot of people would be surprised for me to say that this is a love letter. Many people look at the word of God, maybe even if people that haven't had a chance to read it and say, oh, it's just full of lists. It's full of a bunch of I do's and don'ts kinds of things. It's, a, it's an angry God that wants to stamp out people and make them unhappy. Usually as I pr- probe those kinds of people when they make those kind of comments, I realize that, you know, they haven't actually read it. Uh, But I see it as a love letter. The whole thing from beginning to end is a love letter from God to us. It starts in a beautiful garden in complete communion with God. No sin, no sickness, no death. Work was fun every day. (laughs) There was no shame between man and woman, a married couple, spending time in the cool, a great day in the garden with God. An amazing place to begin. But it didn't last long. Sin comes into the world and we go through the history of all of the things that take place in terms of the failures of nations and of individuals and death and wars and murder, just, it's just filled the Bible. It's probably the most accurate book that I know that accurately de- depicts our state as human beings left alone from God. But the great thing is that the Bible ends in a heavenly Jerusalem, in a place, again, where there's no sin and there's no sickness and there's no death. Sun is not even required in, in heaven because God's radiance and his glory is there. But God wasn't surprised by the things that happened between, between the beginning and the end of the book. He had a plan and he, he made a way for us to be able to know him. That's the essence of the love letter of the word of God, what he's given to us. This is 66 books. It's written over two languages, a little bit of third, multiple continents, probably over oh, maybe 1,500 years. Um, and it's just a lot of things. But one of the things I believe it's a love letter. But what's fun about the word of God is... When you start to actually read it, there's a lot of stuff in there. You're like, is that actually in the Bible? One of my favorites is actually a love letter in the Bible, the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs. 
if I stood here today and read the whole thing, I would probably blush. It's pretty racy, you know. There's some stuff in there. You know, you might be putting your hands over the kids' ears here that are in the room, you know. Because it celebrates the love of a husband and a wife anticipating their marriage day and their, the consummation of their marriage. And it celebrates the fact that sexual union between a man and a woman, a husband and wife, is a good thing. It was God's idea. Um, for hundreds of years, the church can't quite figure out what to do with this. But I think it's an amazing book that celebrates the love that God has designed, the intimate love between a man and a woman. One of my favorite little sections in this book, in Song of Song, Solomon, is this. This book talks, I think there's, there's parts that are looking forward to their wedding day. There's some dreams about being together. There's probably an event of the actual day of their wedding. Uh, so there's a lot of things going on. But I love Sol- Song of Solomon 2.10. This is the, the, the groom speaking or speaking to his, his lover, his engaged, his betrothed. He says, my lover, he said to me, rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. Look, the winter is past and the rains are over and gone. The flowers are springing up. The season of singing birds has come. And the cooing of turtle doves fills the air. Does that sound like a guy who's in love? Oh, he's wrecked. (laughs) The fig trees are forming young fruit and the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. There's a moment in the wedding day, well, probably lots of moments for us guys, where we're looking forward to getting all the ceremonies done. We had an amazing wedding uh, 35 years ago, and there was lots and lots of people, and there's this big production, and I didn't see her. We did the old school way. You know, she came down the aisle, I got snot all over everything, and, you know, there's, it's this amazing day, and then you go into the reception, and you get stuck at the table with, you know, your great uncle whose marital advice is, you know, floss your teeth every day, you know, and, and the aunt who gives you the tea cozy. It's just this day full of crazy, you know, everybody, all this stuff, all these emotions, and at some point you're saying, look, can we get out of here? You know, as a husband and wife, can we leave? Can we come away together and spend our time without the distraction? We don't want to share each other anymore. And that's, I think, what's taking place in this moment is, is, the, is the groom is saying, come away with me. Come away. Let's get away from all of this craziness. You know, as I've been praying about 2020 and thinking about what's going on in the life of our church, I feel like God is saying that to us in the spiritual realm. I feel like God is saying, come away with me. Our lives are getting fuller and fuller. Media consumes our days. It makes beeps in the middle of the night. People show us what they had for breakfast, you know, pictures of that. Why why do they do that? I don't know. We have lives that are so full of noise that sometimes even if if, if we're in the car, we have to turn the radio on because we need some kind of background noise. I just feel like God is calling us as believers to a season that just says, come away with me. Spend some time with me. Put your phone on ignore. Spend a little time with me and watch and see what develops, what blossoms, as the scripture says, when you spend time just with me. I think this is more to this book of Song of Solomon than just what meets the eye. I think there's a lot of other things going on in that book too. I think it's a picture of intimacy between God and his beloved. A lot of times God uses the picture of marriage in the Bible and talks about uh, as as an illustration of him, his relationship with us. And sometimes not so good, the book of Hosea, for instance. But there's lots of illustrations where God uses that. In Ephesians 3, 531, um, he's speaking about a passage about men and women and, and the way they relate to each other. It's very practical marital advice about how we care for each other and love and honor each other. And it says in verse 11, as the scriptures say, 
A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two become united in one. This is a great mystery, but it's an, also an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So God has used this marriage picture over time to be able to illustrate the kind of relationship he wants to have with us. Not a distant relationship, but not an angry relationship, not an uncertain relationship, but think of the best marriage you know. Maybe Oma and Opa or whoever you know that have been married 40, 50, 60 years and have a love relationship to the point where you can't even say one person's name without the other because they're so integrated. Think about that best marriage that you have in your mind. That's a small picture of what God desires to have with you, the kind of relationship he desires to have with you. A relationship of trust, a relationship where there's no secrets. The Bible says perfect love casts out all fear as God loves us perfectly. We don't have to fear him. There's no secrets we need to try to keep from him because he knows us and he loves us completely. That's the kind of relationship God is calling us together in this year. As I've been thinking about that for two or three years, I've been dreaming about this thing we're calling the 2020 Challenge. Just an opportunity to read through God's word from start to finish as a church in a whole year. And just felt like this was the right year coming up in 2020. And you've heard about some of the things we're doing. We've got some Bibles that are chronological order. We'll read. Makes a lot more sense to our Western minds. We're going to do a live uh, video on uh, YouTube every Monday night. You can pick it up and listen to it. Hopefully there's husbands and wives reading scriptures together, parents and children, friends, groups of people reading the Word of God together. It's so much more encouraging when we go through a big challenge like reading the Word of God when there's others that are doing it and things we can talk about and we can encourage one another. But what I'm so excited about this, I love it when people get into the Word of God and spend time quietly with them, but I think this is a way for us to come away with Jesus in 2020, to spend some time with him. There's nothing better than to have his word open in front of us and our hearts open and listening to what he wants to say to us. This is living and active. It's not an ancient history book. Yes, it was written thousands of years ago, some of it, but it's fresh and it's the breath of God, scripture says. And every day, if we can take 10 or 15 minutes and just open it up and just read it and say, Lord, what do you want to show me today? You know, at the beginning of the day, if you're that one of those kind of people, you know, if you're, a, if you're a get out in the car on your lunch hour and get away from the water cooler kind of a person, do it in your lunch hour. At night after the kids are in bed, when it finally gets quiet in the house, if you're one of those people, do it then. But just take the opportunity to come away with Jesus in 2020 and listen to his heart. I cannot believe when I read the word of God, how much God wants to communicate to me by his Holy Spirit. Passages that I may have read 50 times before, on a certain morning, they're like, really? I never saw that. And then I'll find out my day goes one way, and God is directly speaking to me about that. That happened just this morning. Just in, reading my, in the Word of God, unrelated to this preach this morning, God just broke into something, which a passage I knew, but I'd never seen it that way. And it related directly to what's happening today. That's the kind of God we have. That's the kind of intimacy that he wants to have with us. But the great thing is it's not just about a written word, as important as that is, and I know we're emphasizing that for 2020 and the 2020 challenge, but in, in reality, what we're talking about is a relationship. It's interesting, we call this the word of God. I have a word for you. This is in God's word. Because in John, uh, at the beginning of John, John opens the book and says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed from the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. 
The word gives life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never extinguished it. What is he talking about the word? What, what are you talking about the word? Word? What is all this word? We see what happens because down in verse 14, if we keep reading it, it says, So the word became human and made his home among us and was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the Father, the one and only Son. The word is Jesus, and Jesus is the word. So when we're reading this, we're reading the words of God, but more than just reading something, God is desiring a relationship because the word is Jesus. So God is desiring relationship with us through his son, Jesus Christ. This is what's so amazing about Christianity. I'm not a person who's into religion. I don't like religious stuff. People say you're a religious person. That's a, they're, they're you know, not paying me a comment. Uh, compliment. I don't like that because Christianity is a relationship. All other world religions seem to be a system. Stuff you got to learn, stuff you got to do. But Christianity comes down to a person. It comes down to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was born. We celebrated that this morning, you know, in a very um, normal way in the sense of where he was born. His conception, yeah, that was a little different. But, you know, his birth and being a very ordinary carpenter's son, there's a few little snippets of his life as he approaches, you know, maybe early teens. And then we don't hear anything about him until he's 30 again. Uh, But he grew up and was the Messiah and gave his life for you and I that we might be saved and come into a relationship with God, an intimate and a real and a personal relationship. There was no other way we could do that on our own. We couldn't work hard enough. We couldn't be good enough. We couldn't, you know, floss our teeth enough. There just wouldn't be enough stuff we could do. The only way that would have been possible is if the Messiah, the Savior, came, the one predicted for thousands of years in the Old Testament, came and gave his life, laid his life down, shed his blood on the cross for us, that we could have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's such an amazing thing that happened. It it changed all of world's history. You know, even BCAD, our, our secular system, our calendar is built around the reality of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. But what's so wonderful is he is reaching out to you and to me to have a personal relationship. I believe Jesus is saying, come away with me. Get away from the noise and spend time with me. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have a communion and an intimacy with you that is deeper than you could have ever imagined. So I'm just so excited about 2020 and and what's coming for us for the year together. I just want to encourage you to begin to pray about what does that mean? If I'm right that Jesus is saying, come away with me, what does that look like for you? What does that invitation mean? If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your savior. It's probably an invitation to say, come and start a relationship with me. We'd love to be able to talk about that with you. Maybe someone who brought you or anybody at the visitor's lounge. I'll be back in the back. would love to tell you about how to start into a relationship with Jesus. But even those of us that have known Christ for many years, I just believe there's more. There's more that God wants to reveal to us. We're not just saved and stuck. God just doesn't put us on, you know, okay, you're good. You got your name in the Bible's book of life. We'll see you in 80 years, you know, when you have a big jammer or whatever the thing is, you know. God is interested in our lives on a daily basis. I think he's calling out for us. I think we settle for mere Christianity way too much. I do in my own life because I'm not willing to let God into the places that he so lovingly wants to come into. He's a gentleman. He does not push his way in. But I believe he's calling us in this new year and saying, come away with me, just you and I. I encourage you to begin to think and pray about that. Just wondering if you'd stand with me, please. I just want to pray for us and give the Lord just a moment to speak to us.
Uh, Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now. Would you speak to us individually, one person to one person in a crowd of three or 400, Lord, you can do that right now. Come away with me. What does that mean, Lord, for me? Come away with me. Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts. Fill us with a desire for even a greater level of intimacy with you in this new year. Lord, teach us to turn the noise down and the distractions off. Lord, give us grace and wisdom to carve away those minutes that are just between us and the day, Lord. And God, just flood in, pour into our lives. I know that's what you do when we reach out to you every time. So Lord, we thank you, God. I just pray even prophetically now for 2020 that it's not a year of, that followed 1919 and came before 2021, but it was a year of intimacy for us as your, as your family, a year of relationship with you. Thank you, God, that you desire this way more than we ever could even. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence among us. Amen. Paul? Amen. Thank you, Mark.